0: You're listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast.
1: So hire Santa. Very interesting business. I really couldn't believe that it was an actual business when I heard about it. Um, I told Mitch that, so this is not me talking about his back. But hire Santa is, imagine you've got a Christmas party. You want to have Santa show up and, you know, allow the kids to take pictures and, give him their Christmas list at the party, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go to find Santa? They connect you with Santa, and they make sure you're getting the Tim Allen Santa, not the Billy Bob Thornton Santa showing up at your party. I I think it's
0: it's good business, apparently. I mean, it's good enough to uh, sell on Shark Tank. Good enough
1: to uh, get a deal on Shark Tank.
0: Partnered up with Barbara Corcoran, so he talked to us about what happens before the show and all the preparation, what happened on the show and all the decisions that he made and how he was able to strike a deal, and what happened afterward? Listen up.
1: So I've heard a little bit about your story in in Hire Hire Santa. Tell me about how that came up, because that's not something you sat around at
2: eight years old thinking about either. During 2008, 9, 10, we were, um, if you remember back in that time, that was the financial crisis. And at that time, the number of bankruptcies really increased dramatically consumer bankruptcies uh, dramatically increased. Um, anyway, we had uh, there were some really nice Christmas parties. We would get everybody together and sort of celebrate all the hard work uh, that we ha- were, had done. And my uh, executive assistant actually asked me to uh, dress up as Santa. And I did not look like Santa. I, you know, I look less like Santa then than I do now. And- uh, You don't have
1: a long gray beard.
2: Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. Right. And anyway, but I had, had a ton of fun, handed out Christmas bonuses, gifts, and, and just whatever. Um, my uh, partner, Doug, uh, I think the first year he dressed up as an elf. Uh, the second year he dressed up as a reindeer. That was a lot of fun. And anyway, but I really had a good time with it. And my kids were young at the time. And my daughters, my my wife had a cookie decorating party where she'd invite a bunch of her other children or other children over and decorate cookies and just have a good christmas party and so i dressed up as this terrible looking santa and when I went and was santa to not only my children but all these other children it was just a magical experience um that the children um really just radiated sort of the love and joy of christmas and so i was really hooked on it then uh, the next year, I had some friends ask me to appear for their children, and some pictures got out from that. And, um, and somebody asked me to do it for somebody I didn't even know, and then they asked to pay me. Um, I was like, "Oh, people pay people to to help spread the love and joy of Christmas." <laughs> I'm in, and uh, I'm an all-in type of person. And though again, you can't sort of tell from the way I look today or the way I look, but Um, My version of Santa is, um, I do a pretty good version of Santa. Uh, Think Tim Allen, uh, glue on theatrical beard. I mean, it's not your um, normal version of Santa. And so, um, and then because I have an internet marketing background, um, you know, sort of my book of business dramatically increased over, you know, over just a, a very short amount of time. And from there, it was uh, let's buy a, a better domain than the one I currently have for Dallas Fort Worth, and so I bought Hire Santa and some other domains, and sort of off to the races from there. So, um, yeah. So how do you how do you decide to take that
0: business, which which seems like it's a it's a localized business. I mean, I, I would think most people think about that and they would go, well, you know, I'll do this for a few of my friends and maybe there's a few businesses here or there in, in town. Deciding to take that nationwide or outside of your geographic region, especially then, um, how do you decide to do that? Because that, that seems like a big undertaking.
2: Yeah, well, it's like- it's, you know, You're finding all
0: the Santas in all the locations, right? I mean, because you, yeah. now you've got to outsource that. You've got to make sure these guys in Evansville, Indiana are as good as the guys in Tucson, Arizona as the guys in Tallahassee,
2: Florida. Well, if you know anybody, if you know Santa's in Tucson, Arizona, we could use some more Santa's in Arizona. <laughs> That's one of our areas that we need Santa's. In. And we're always looking for more Santa's. Uh, you know, it followed, when you when you look back on it, things make sense. When you're in the moment of making a decision or deciding to do something as an entrepreneur, many times the um, it may not seem as clear that what, what's happening, but when you look back on it and you have some perspective of it, it seems things seem to make more sense. And even with my own site, Santa Allen, we're generating, I'm generating leads of people who are wanting Santa Allen to come up here in Houston and in Chicago and Illinois and where, wherever. And so it was really natural for me to think, well, we've I, I've sort of done this before. If I create a national brand, I may I'll be able to generate more leads and then also be able to find somebody to uh, fulfill uh, those leads. So it wasn't, wasn't this big leap or something that I, I hadn't done before. It really seemed very natural because I'd done it before in the, the legal legion space.
0: Probably an, e- an easier move for you than it would be for somebody else who just decided to just get into the Santa business, for example. That's right. Tell me about the, the move then to to get it on to Shark Tank? Because that's a that's a big leap going from, <laughs> hey, I've got a business to I'm taking this business, you know, outside my geographic area to now I'm going to take this business on a TV show that I think at the time had been on for 10 years or something, didn't it?
2: Yeah, so the I, I've been on twice, both in the 10th season and the 11th and uh, 2021 is the, or the 2020-2021 season is the 12th season. The, you know, that that's a, um, EO Entrepreneurs' Organization really helped me. My forum uh, really helped me to understand that Hire Santa was a good business, and a I'll, I'll use in quotes a serious business. Uh, when you when you talk about Hire Santa, uh, it brings a smile to people's face, but it was also a business that I it, it, not embarrassed about. But um, you know, it, it's not a business that people. Um, and I'll put it serious business. People might consider an interesting business, but it's a fabulous business in, in lots of different ways. Um, and so my forum really got me to understand that, uh, what a good business it was. It's got good margins. Um, and, and, uh, though it's seasonal, there's some seasonal aspects of it. Uh, and so the work varies across the what year. Did they, but-
0: what did they tell you that made you feel like it was a, it is a legitimate business, but what did yeah. they tell you that convinced you of that?
2: What you know, it. And why why did you feel like
0: that originally? Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, it's just you know, it's 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 a um, right. I'm dressing up as Santa Claus. Yeah, you know, and so there you go. Everybody, everybody here is laughing about that. So, so you, you wait a
0: minute. You admit that it's somebody dressing up as Santa Claus. So this is bullshit. This isn't the real Santa. Well,
2: when, when I'm dressing <laughs> up as Santa, that's right. When I'm dressing up as Santa, I'm not the real Santa. We do
1: have uh, oh, this real is Santa. A we do have it. Yeah. This is a
2: scam. This is a scam. We you, do employ the real, Santa. The real sit Santa. Sit on a, Santa, on a throne of lies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and it's just uh, um, because it's a, uh, a fun business that, uh, and a seasonal business, really at the time, it was very seasonal. Um, that it just didn't seem like a business that you could have. What do you mean at the time? Uh, this is back in twenty when this is happening, or I'm, I'm, when, when I'm sort of getting over the fact that it's not a that it's or that it um, sure. that it's a. a no,
0: Singer, you're you're saying that it, it still seems like a seasonal business.
1: Well, we didn't add
2: Christmases. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Uh, so I had it.
2: Well, you know, I'll, I'll I'll divert to that because Mark Cuban. um, they, they edited this out. I, I was on Shark Tank for about 45 or 50 minutes, and they edited it down to about eight. Uh, so they left out lots of good stuff on Shark Tank. One of the things that, and I had prepared for virtually every question that I that you could conceivably ask and every negotiating point. And uh, I think it was Lori went out first, and she said that it was a seasonal business. And I said, well, that's like saying the Dallas Mavericks is a seasonal business because their season is only four months, three or four months. But as we all know, the real work done for the Dallas Mavericks is done in the off seasons, whether it be sponsorships, whether it be trades, whether it be drafting, conditioning, all the things that go into that, to making that basketball season a success happens in the off season. You just actually are performing and, you know, doing it all during the season. In the same way with Is that yes, we only do six weeks of sort of in the chair business, but all year we work on finding more Santas. uh, We work on contracts. We work on uh, getting new clients. uh, We do all the stuff in the off season that that works. It's much slower, no doubt about it, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And we do probably about 5% of our businesses during Easter. uh, just because clients ask us to do that as well. But so it, it, we deliver the service It's no doubt it's seasonal, but there's a lot of work that goes on, um, you know, after the fact. So, but back to the, um, thing about, you know, EO, uh, but, you know, just really looking once t- 2011 or 12, um, and 13, when I'm starting to make money or make decent money in, in higher Santa, you know, the the, my forum just was able to, Really, sort of reflect the fact that you know I've got a growing business. It makes money, and um, you know I should really be proud of that and sort of own it. And it just hit me in twenty eighteen in January of twenty eighteen. Uh, I think twenty eighteen. That um, this is a great business for. Uh, actually, twenty nineteen. Uh, this is a great business for. Shark Tank, because when you watch Shark Tank, it's all about entertainment. My lead rival, even though it was a much bigger company and it's a great, it was a great business. Uh, you go out there. That's not a Shark Tank business. No one cares that I'm making attorneys money, making them wealthy, but I could even, even in the the pitch to uh, the walk on pitch audition. And I was already, you're, I'm able to, to tell them, imagine 20 Santas walking out onto the set um, and you know, that's just visually appealing. And I, it just felt like this would be a great pitch on Shark Tank. And, you know, everybody that, um, as I worked my way through the audition process, uh, I was able to articulate that vision pretty effectively. Yeah, it doesn't sound,
1: I mean, I think what you said about it being not a seasonal business because you've got to work all year round, that's probably true with, with any business that is successful and scalable. Right. If you if you clean pools and you're a pool cleaning guy, you have a seasonal business. Uh, if you own a business that cleans pools, you're not a seasonal business anymore. Right. If you, right. the difference right. is you just figured for, for out the that,
0: Santa's, it's seasonal for you. It's year round. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. If you if you, if it was still just Mitch dressing up like Santa, that's definitely seasonal. <laughs> you start getting more and more people. Yeah, it's not seasonal anymore.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with that. And um, you know, what we found in this last in the last year in particular, well, I mean, last year, COVID uh, in 2020 was an entirely different year than even previous years, but uh, and so we really had to pivot uh this how, last year. How did you year. guys
0: deal with that? Because that had to have been a hit for the business. Uh, you're not gonna have kids sitting on Santa's lap, for example. Yeah.
2: You know. So in March or April of 2020. I really thought late late March, early April, and into May, I thought our business was going to be down about 90%. I thought it was, it was just going to be zero. Um, but uh, even back in February, we were already working on uh, virtual visits with Santa because there's been some companies out there who have done similar to what we're doing today, um, Zoom-style visits with Santa uh, that have been decently effective. And so we were building our own proprietary uh, platform to do virtual visits with Santa, and already sort of started that process. And so we really ramped that up, poured a ton of money into doing virtual visits. And we thought that it was going to be just monsters. And at the same time, we we're working in parallel with our big retail partners uh, that use Santa to help associate their brands with Christmas, and to drive traffic to their locations. And we're working on what we called safe Santa, like how do we still have Santa in the location, how do we give many of the same aspects of it, but without having, uh, without sitting on Santa's knee? And so we worked with a manufacturer actually in Arlington, Texas, um, and we created these six by six acrylic shields on a base, mailed them out all over, uh, shipped them out all over North America, and so you were still able to visit with Santa, but it was behind a you know an acrylic shield, and that really it ended up that we were able to save. 90 or 95% of our retail business uh, by using Safe Santa. And then we were able to do our own virtual visits. And then we staffed many other clients' uh, virtual visits with Santa. And so ended up 2020 ended up being um, a remarkably good year, all things considered.
0: It's interesting to me because when you talk about the Shark Tank uh, appearances, because you're you're right, not that many businesses, I could have a successful business. But it may not be anything that shark tank cares about you know if it's not interesting right uh, so you you decide to ha- tell me about that process i mean how do you contact shark tank how do they reply to you um mm-hmm.
2: you know so yeah so approximately forty thousand people apply to be on shark tank every single season um a thousand get pushed through to the sort of second round where you do um, submit a video, or this is a typical year, submit a a 10 minute video. And of those about 200 then get pushed through to the next step, uh, which is uh, the path to be filmed and 150 to 200 get filmed every single year, about a hundred then make it onto the camera. So it's a very selective process, uh, but anybody can do it. And so I, I did, I was no one special, I just, Followed the rules, which was when I decided to to do it, I looked online and it just so happened uh, the next week in Dallas, Texas, uh, they had um, open auditioning and they had this, um, traditionally they've had this in a number of states with a small business expo. You go and you stand in line with four or 500 other people um, or more and um, fill out a bunch of paperwork. And you just wait in line all day and then do a short one minute pitch to an associate casting director. Um, and every, and so I just went and did that and waited around all day. Uh, they kept on saying, um, don't call us. If we're interested, we'll call you. Most likely we will not call you. And if we do, it's going to be in a couple of months, but don't call us. We'll call you if we're interested. And so I, I, I pretty much had the same pitch that I did on on camera. I had already worked on it and sort of did that same pitch and uh, talked about how imagine 20 Santas coming out, handing us, you know, putting a Santa hat on Mark Cuban and, and Mr. Wonderful. And then, you know, I was going to this pitch about hire Santa and delivering the love and joy of Christmas to millions of people every year. And I really got the guy engaged. I felt like I crushed it with the announcer. Uh, with the little um, assistant casting director. But again, they said, don't call us. We'll call you in might be a month, but don't call us. And in a week, I got a call from actually the same guy that said, we're interested, put together a 10-minute video. And so I got a bunch of Santas into my office and um, sort of ran through um, a pitch, as well as sort of interacting with some Santas Uh, and uh, then talked about me as an entrepreneur, as a person, the business, they gave you some talking points to do it. um, And submitted that to them. And again, they said the same thing, they said, don't call us, Uh, we'll call you, but don't expect to hear from us. Because, you know, it's 10% of the the businesses or 20% of the businesses at this point, only make it to the next round. And then um, you know, again, it wasn't the three months that they said it was literally a week. They called me and they assigned me to what they call producers. And those two producers uh, then met with me every week, uh, until I went to, uh, LA to pr- present. And then what they're working on is the, your pitch and the set. And what people maybe not realize is besides your airfare and your hotel, Every person who's been on on Shark Tank is responsible for 100% of everything else. They don't pay you to be on. They don't do anything. The set, getting it there, shipping it there, setting it up, and not setting it up, but uh, getting it there, um, you're 100% responsible for that. If you spent $10,000 or you spent $100, uh, that all comes out of your pocket, and so um, that was that's really a process. Nothing that. It, so
0: I, I figured the show built the sets. No. You know, or put them no. together. I you mean, know, with people's instructions. Wow. So you would, you all would, of the business owners come up with that and build that, or pay for it, have it built themselves.
2: That's right. It, you know, you have to get approval for it, and you, sure. you know, there's a lot of things that go into that approval process. Uh, but um, and but you have to put it all together yourself. I mean, not put it together. You have to gather it all, ship it out there, and then. They actually will. Once it's shipped there, they'll set it up, and and well, it makes sense that they.
1: It. it makes sense that they coach you on it because I've always thought they kind of all sound the same, the pitches as Simulate, far as like the tone, all, yeah. yeah, you know they. No one comes in there and is boring. <laughs> no one <laughs> comes in there. Okay, so uh, I have this business. All right, so here's what we do. Okay, all right. We have. A Sanja, that's a good point.
2: And what's interesting is that you know I realized that to get on Shark Tank, it, it's all about entertainment. You know, in the show ABC, what they can, what they're concerned about is making an entertaining show that people want to watch to drive ratings, to drive advertising. And so that's why I, I thought Hire Santa could be a good um, company to be on Shark Tank. It's entire, it's entirely entertaining. Um, but once you're there in front of the sharks it really you've really got to transition to it's not about entertainment it's about now getting a deal and having uh, being a serious business. and um, I think I did a decent job of that but I, I, I mean I'm dressed as an elf. there's a bunch of santas around there. <laughs> um, I don't think that that some of the sharks particularly that got out early that um, you know thought that it was a real business in, in, the, in the way that, that it is. So it is, it's all about entertainment till you get from the sharks. And then it's not. They're they're wanting, they're not wanting to invest in um, things that aren't going to either make them money or you know ha- uh, have the potential to make them money. Sure. Probably part of the
1: skepticism that everybody has naturally when they hear about this business is why you're able to kill it. Is because no, if if you if you had come to me 10 years ago and said, hey, I got an idea. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start hiring Santa's. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I don't think I would have been in on that. I wouldn't have had the vision, but you did. And so you're successful with it. Um, but that, that, that kind of comes with the territory, right? Most so people you you, m- you must've had it. to,
0: yeah, you must've had to fight against that and do the, did you sort of decide to, all right, I, I'm going to anticipate some questions and, have some answers locked and loaded. And maybe the seasonal question that you said Laurie asked was a pretty predictable question or, or you know, objection, uh, you know, and so having a good answer for that, I would think you've got to figure out what are, what are they likely to ask me and have some great responses some thoughtful responses ready to go.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm definitely a prepared person who, who likes to be prepared. And so, um, there may have been, there may be people who've, who've prepared more than I to be on Shark Tank, but I, I don't, <laughs> I would put my preparation against anybody's. I mean, literally watched every episode, uh, wrote down virtually every type of question, every question sort of categorized them into what was going on, uh, what they were asking, and then put them into categories about the types of questions that, that, that were going to be asked, uh, and then came up with good answers for each of them so that I wasn't stumbling over them and and made them my own so that then it's not that I'm memorizing them but I have um uh, I'm anticipating what they're going to ask and have good answers to them so I don't seem like I'm stumbling over them and then I came up with uh I think I had 5 questions that um I thought they were going to ask and were going to be hard hard for me to answer and uh, um even to the the night before, um, you know, we were there. Um, got there on Monday. I filmed on Thursday. Wednesday night, I'm still working on, um, you know, two of my hardest questions, and am trying to to sort of come up with an answer that's decent. And those are the answers, you know. And it's funny they only asked me one of those five questions. Um, totally you know, totally uh, just didn't ask me some of these other ones that I I just felt like for sure that they were going to. So
1: what, what were those questions that were difficult?
2: So one of them was, um, uh, what are you going to use the money for? And having, you know, they asked that question a lot. And so this wasn't just, you know, some of them were specific to me. Uh, and my other question that I'll, I'll share is, was specifically about me that they didn't ask, but the, the, the hard question for one of the hard questions is what are you gonna use the money for? And sort of the related question to that is um, why do you need money? Right. You're the company's profitable. It's growing. Um, you don't need money. You do always don't got
1: need, a raised eyebrow when they say that too. What, yeah. Why you need this money. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna skeptical? use the money for? Yeah.
2: yeah. It's one of the standard questions is what are you gonna use the money for? And so um, anyway, that came up with the answer and they actually aired it, which is, you know, I wear a lot of hats here at higher Santa and um trying to uh get rid of get some things off my plate so i can focus on um the, the important things but the other one was um um you're a, i'm a serial entrepreneur and at the time i had um i think 5 or 6 operating businesses uh going i hadn't really cleared up um i hadn't cleared up uh some partners uh I I worked really hard and bought out and traded some businesses uh, right after I appeared uh, right after I filmed on Shark Tank, but I was working on that at the time, but I I was operating a bunch of businesses. And so, uh, you know, are you going to spend you know, I'm investing in Hire Santa and you're not going to work, you're going to be working, you know, in a different company. How's that going to work? And so they didn't, um, maybe it's because we were earning money at the time. And it looked like we that, but they didn't bring up, they didn't really talk about that. I have other companies and um, how am I going to divide my time up among these companies? And so I really, that was probably the hardest question that they, uh, and luckily they didn't ask it. So,
1: but the, the question about money, that seems like a really tough decision about how to use it because sometimes I've seen them. They say, "Hey, what are you going to use this money for?" And they go, oh, "I'm going to pay off the other investors." And they're like, "What the? Yep. Well, they then no." <laughs> you know, there's always there there are some really bad decisions that people have made with how they're going to use the money.
2: What what were the options that you had? Yeah, so for us, uh, it really wasn't. I didn't need the money to stay in business. If you go back and watch the early Shark Tank um, mo- uh, shows. Uh, many of these companies are about to go out of business. yeah and it's like they're not they're not going to stay afloat for another year without an, an injection of, of shark tank money. Uh, more recently, those that doesn't seem to be the case. And so uh, for us, it was, you know it's nice to have some extra money in the bank, but it, this isn't going to decide whether or not we have a good year or not. And so that was why this question was hard for me is um, how are we going to use this money? to make the business bigger and better than what it currently is and so the answer then that i talked about was just making sure we had good people and so that year we actually um up until that point most of our uh employees were seasonal not just the santas but the people in the office and so we had actually that year um brought on two people and to um help with the growth that we were having even that year so we, that year we were really in the midst of of growing pretty substantially And so we had that money, um, right? That's what I was uh, telling them, that we're using that money to help us uh, fund the growth and and marketing and operations that we have. Sure. So
1: other than than those questions, I, I would imagine that another big piece of being successful on the show is obviously you're trying to get a deal. Some people go in there, they just try to get the fame for a little bit and they ride out there and they're like so obstinate, obviously not trying to get a deal. But I'm assuming you, you go in there with good faith, you're trying to get make a deal, you've got to have some negotiation skills, right? And some of these people, I mean, obviously these sharks are very, very skilled at negotiating. At, at the very least, they're experienced because they've done a hundred of these episodes, right? They've had thousands of business negotiations. Most entrepreneurs are going in there, they've maybe never sold a business ever. So how much how, how difficult was that? How, how much preparation do you do? How much studying of negotiations do you do?
2: That's a really good, really good question. And, um, I spent a third of the time that I was uh, preparing was probably about negotiating about what I wanted because I wanted a deal. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I had a little bit of caring who the deal was with, but I wanted a deal. Um, for a variety of reasons one is just the experience of getting a deal with a shark uh, interacting with them uh, a different network Um, but I I really went in there to get a deal Um, setting and so in the preparation one of the I think one of the hardest things that um, and I've coached several people who've gotten onto Shark Tank um, since then I think the hardest thing to do and the thing that I mulled over the most was what is the offer that I'm going to put out there? And then also what is the one what are uh, what am I going to say I want and what will I accept right you know and something in between and because you want to go out there and you want to have a reasonable evaluation so that the entire conversation is not about your evaluation is crazy. You want to go out there and, and have something that's at least in the realm of of reasonable and so that then you can negotiate against. And then you also want to sort of set your, or I wanted to set a boundary about this is what I wanted to do. And so I, you know, in terms,
0: how did you decide on valuations for uh, that that you would start with? Was it formulaic, and and how did you? So
2: I thought that that uh, uh, at the time uh, we had contracts for that year, and I knew what we were going to make. I had a really good idea about what we were going to make that year. And so my, um, which was about uh, three times what we were uh, in terms of revenue, three or four, four times revenue, three times profit, at least what we made the year before. And so uh, I really use five times profit for what that was going to be, which is an entirely reasonable uh, metric to use. And so that's how I came up with, and now it, wasn't, it wasn't based on last year's, it was based on projected, but it was already in the books. Right. Uh, it, we just had to execute. Um, so that, that was the hardest thing to do is coming up with something that's reasonable to begin with. But in terms of, uh, Sanger, back to your question, um, you know, um, uh, there's a, a professor out of the University of Chicago, uh, Medved, Medved, um, that is a t- teaches on negotiating. It's really good. Uh, Also a big, um, uh, which I I went back and reread this stuff. Also, there's a great book called Never Split the Difference uh, by Chris Voss. Chris
0: Chris Voss. And uh, I went back
2: and reread that that book during the process. And so came up with a variety of strategies for uh, overcoming objections to a variety of different scenarios. I then did actual role play with uh, my forum. Um, two other forums in the Dallas, uh, in the Fort Worth chapter. Uh, And then even when I flew out to LA, uh, I did another uh, run through with the LA chapter. They put together uh, six or eight people to act as my sharks. And so I had sort of gone in as um, I think five total times I had practiced for, you know, total dress rehearsal. No, you know, it's not stopping. There's no uh, in when you're actually on the stage, on the set, they don't stop it. If you mess up, they just keep on filming, and so we did that same thing. And so I really got a lot of practice. I got better every single time, uh, and um, understood sort of what I wanted to do. And and um, I negotiated uh, for probably at least twenty minutes with Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary, uh, during during our own thing. Fifteen minutes in, everyone is out except for Kevin. I'm really thinking I'm doing a terrible job. I'm failing because I've got a great business and everybody's out. I'm about to walk yeah. out of here in less than 20 minutes. Um, so he actually makes me an unreasonable offer. And then I negotiate with him, ask him some questions. Uh, you know, if he's really interested in just um, safety of his money um, or is it the return on his capital? Uh, what And then, you know, what he's worried about, which they edited it all out. And so then I, with all that, I then crafted an offer where I I basically took all the risk out of the deal and then Damon got interested. And then ultimately Barber came back in and got interested. What did you
0: do? What did you do to take the risk out of the deal?
2: Well, so, um, you know, I went in there and was offering, uh, I offered 10%, I offered, um, 10% of the business for $200,000. And, um, the rules of the show is they have to offer you the the amount of money that you came in asking for. So if you ask for two hundred thousand dollars, they've got to give you two hundred thousand dollars. The structure of it can be anyway, anyway that you mutually agree on. But you they at least have to give you that amount of money. And so that's why the the is the importance of making sure your offer. To begin with, is so is is right, right. So they can play with the
0: percentage for that money, but that's right to
2: keep the money. Yeah, or they could structure it as a
1: loan, or
2: do. And so that's what I I did is I then had a variety of different things that I would uh, alter in terms of the offer that I would accept or I would give to them. And so I really I think I did a good a decent a really good job actually of, of controlling the room of not letting them direct the negotiating. I was really I think forceful about. Um making uh them part of the make being part of the process and not being just spoken to. Um, we went back and forth a variety of things about offers. Uh he made a, a very lowball offer to begin with. Um, I came back and I had this this option, this thought in my head about should I, is this a real offer or is this just uh playing the part, you know, just so that we can get some footage and just to be on air and I'm about to walk out of here. So I made him an offer. I came back at uh, 15%. Uh he had offered 50%. I came back at 15%. Um, they didn't agree. Uh we went, I went into some sort of a QA with him. And then I realized that, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm going to just take the risk out by uh, uh using the number he said, 50%, uh, until he gets his money back. And then, you know, if I can show that they get the money back in a year or two or something very, very soon, then the the, the amount of risk is, is very, very low um, to them. So I made the offer of um, uh, the $200,000, uh, but I pay it back. They get 50% of the profits until they get their money paid back. Uh, but then after that, uh, they only get the 10% that I'd offer to begin with because really it wasn't about the money. I didn't need the money to go in. Um, This was, this was my way of almost saying that if a shark would come to me today and say, Hey Mitchell, um, just give me 10% of your business. If Mark Cuban came to me today and say, Hey Mitchell, I made a mistake. I really want to be part of higher Santa. You're doing great things. Um, Just give me 10% and I'll promote it on my social media and I'll, I'll help you out. You talk with me. You know what? I'd probably say, okay. Right. Because they're at the value of that mentorship and the value of, of their social media, I think is very important. So in the essence, that's what I did with the, the offer is saying, you know, I'll pay your money back super quick, like 50, 50 partners. Uh, then once you get your money back uh, you're back down to that 10%. So I said that to, uh, to um, I said that to Kevin um, he said it. And then it's like, oh, I really like that offer, but I want twenty percent. So I repeated about. I said, this is what you're wanting. And then Damon came in and said, I'll take ten percent. I'm like, all right, great. Now we're talking. We got. I've got two people. I can uh, use them against each other. I went into repeating. Of uh, one of the the strategies I was using was repeating the offers to control the room. And I said, all right, Kevin, here's the offer. You'll take uh, for two hundred thousand dollars. You get. Um, You'll get your money back uh, with 50, 50% of the profits until you get your money back. And then you'll own uh, 20% of the business. And he says, I'll go down to 15%. I said, great. Start it over. All right. Here's your offer. Damon. And then it's starting to go to Damon. And then Damon says, I want 15%. I'm like, Oh crap. Um, I just lost. 5%. I just, uh, I just uh, lost, uh, you know, my, my, the deal just got 50% worse. With Damon, <laughs> right? just, Wait, this is going backwards. Yeah. So um and then I actually genius just, I move actually,
1: for him though, right? Yeah. It's like I don't need to be low anymore. Yeah. I'm so, I'm, I'm just not the asshole that's dragging this on. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> In that moment, you've got to go,
2: okay. Yeah.
1: You're like, you like this close to going, all right, man, I'll go with you, David.
2: Yeah. And so at that time, I actually one of the things that I mean, I'd love to see all the, the full 45 or 50 minutes of of the the tape, and you don't get to. Um I actually felt like I one of the things that I took from watching all these shark tank episodes is I I don't like when the entrepreneur is begging or is weak yeah. on the show. And I don't think that I did that except for once. And that was when Damon said this 15% and I came back to, or, um, um, I actually asked them, I can't, I don't remember that thing. I asked them if they'd work together and Damon said, no, uh, he didn't say it very nicely, but he said no in a funny way. Uh, again, that got edited out. And then I, in what I thought was sort of a weak, it sounded weak when I watch it now, I asked him if I'll, I'll do the deal at 10%. And he says, no, I want a little bit more than that. Right, great. I said, all right. So then I think I repeated it again. And then that's when Barbara came in. And Barbara said, I'll take your original deal. and um, But you've got to tell me right now. And that's not edited. She, it, it, that's edited out. The, you've got to tell me right now, because I would have stayed and negotiated. Now I've got three people. I would have totally negotiated with the three of them to get a better deal. And so I repeated, I said, so it's 50% of the profits. So you get your money back and then you'll be at 10%. And she said, yeah, that's right. And then I I had a, a closing line, which was, uh, from Santa and all the elves at hire Santa, uh, and all the elves at hire Santa, hire Santa would love to do a deal with you. And, and then we did deal, deal with Barbara.
0: That's cool. That's
2: so what what
0: happens following that? because I, I imagine that there are continuations <laughs> of, of that negotiation and due diligence and this you know so, back and forth.
2: Yes. so there is totally that. but let me even go uh, back probably what you're not even um, what you didn't ask but is what I thought when you were saying it. So typically right after that, you go to a green screen, uh, a green uh, screen studio, and that's where they ask the entrepreneurs the questions. And so your producers, you've been working with all for the last six months, um, are sitting there and they're asking you questions that are going to be part of the right after the episode. They're, you know, well, what did you think about when so and so said? Um, what do you think about getting a deal with Barbara? And then, you know, you, they filmed sure, that. Sure, sure. Before that, we did something that they normally do not do, which is we actually myself and all the sense we went back onto the set. To film promos for this episode and the holiday episode, and so we actually got to go back onto the set um, and take some pictures um, and interact with the sharks a little bit and the producers um, in ways that we didn't that people normally don't do. So we we did that right directly afterwards, uh, which was sort of cool. Got to interact with with um, the sharks a little bit, um, talk to the the real producers of the the, the show and talk to them about you know, the episode or about what just happened. And so that was um, from an entrepreneur standpoint, I thought that was very interesting. Then we go to the green screen and then you go back to your trailer. I went back to the trailer uh, and of course, super excited, talked to my wife. And after every filming and they told us this was gonna happen, a psychiatrist comes, here, comes to your trailer and debriefs you a little bit about a
1: psychiatrist. Uh,
2: yes. To make sure that you are okay. Because <laughs> that's such a that stressful That you don't moment. feel like you got taken
0: advantage of or that you feel. Yeah. Or what that, what that you're not checking?
2: depressed or, I mean. remorse or, or Yeah. Yeah. Or just, I mean, and, and it's not just for people who get a deal. I can imagine it if you didn't get a deal that, you know, you're depressed and what whatever it is. And I mean, I'm like, I just got a deal on Shark Tank. This is awesome. I feel terrific. Why wouldn't I feel great? Um, so that was pretty short. Sure um, right afterwards. And then, um, uh, Barbara's guy, his name's Michael. He's a great guy. Uh, each of the sharks has somebody who, who basically interacts with the entrepreneurs. He comes to the trailer and tells you what's going to happen next. Get a, get a welcome email, get a due diligence, uh, list, uh, to start working on and sort of walk you through what's going to happen with that process. But even leading up to that, I had filled out, hundreds of pages of documents signed incredibly um uh uh tight contracts with abc and disney that your attorneys would not want you to sign i mean literally it's like in the language i remember something that said uh we can humiliate humiliate you ruin your business and you have no recourse
1: um,
2: and so you've had to sign them or they're just going to go on to, to the next person in the 40,000 that they'll find that somebody it.
0: else who will sign it right yeah and
2: you can't there's no edits to it um and so I'd already and and also all the financial information you've already submitted that so they've had financial analysts already look at your stuff uh, and ask questions about it before you get onto the tank so it, that um your finances are in order uh then once you get a deal now you're it's basically starting over getting all the information to um uh to Barbara and her team to review and then go into what a real negotiating after that point about getting, getting a deal actually done.
1: So when you're in these negotiations, you're, you're making split second decisions about how to react to an offer, how to maybe counter offer, whether or not to accept a, a lot of people, it seems like they get flustered, right? It seems like they go, okay, I'll take a deal. Cause I need a deal. Right. Or, or, They get offended and they get emotional and they go, oh, well, you lowballed me, screw you, right? So many people, I don't know, I've never been there, but it seems like most people are not that prepared for the negotiations and for the decision-making that you've got to be able to make just one after the other so quick in a very, very high-stress environment.
2: So I've said this story before, I was like, I felt like I was almost over-prepared. Uh, for this thing I was really ready to like get it over with it's super you know it and really I, I went into the mindset of I want to enjoy this experience this is a once in a lifetime experience and I really want to enjoy the experience I felt like I totally prepared for it um, I was not nervous about it you know as being an entrepreneur and and having a variety of experiences beforehand I, I probably was better just had a better set of life experiences t- to be before it but the day of the shoot I had uh, several people asked me if I was nervous. Now, maybe I was appeared that I was nervous. But I remember um, the, you know, that people are asking, Are you nervous? And I just thought that's a really terrible thing to be asked. Yeah, it's me. not helpful at all. Yeah. Uh, but it, it didn't bother me because I, I was right. I, I, I actually found it sort of funny, but you're standing in front of these doors about to go open. And there's a guy to to my left, who is sort of You know, he's got an earpiece and he'll say, I'm going to count you down. And then uh, when the doors open, just go through. And so we're 10, five minutes out. We're all waiting. I'm there. I've got Santa and Mrs. Claus, the real Santa and the real Mrs. Claus right behind me. And then I've got uh, actually two people from EO Fort Worth, Jeremy Brent and John Cornelison are my mascots. They flew out there to support me and be on the show with me. And they um, they're behind me. And then 20 Santas behind them or 20 Santas are in the waiting room to, to come out in a second. And then um, this guy says, you know, doors open, whatever. And he leans in and says, are you nervous? And I, I just, I, I thought it was really funny. So I leaned back to him and I said, I am freaking out. And I tell you, <laughs> I think that he almost wet himself uh, right then because he he literally went in. I mean, he 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 was like, are you serious? And I mean, he, his eyes <laughs> pulled up. And I told them, man, I'm, I'm just kidding. I am yeah. totally fine. I'm ready to go. Um, and so then the doors open and you, and you march down. But um, so in terms of back to that question about um, making split second decisions and, and really, I think it has to do with preparation about it, that I was prepared for the situation and um, that gave me a, and I and had this mindset of wanting to enjoy the situation, enjoy the experience uh, they do a great job of funneling your vision. You know, they, you're on this on the carpet, and your your field of view is just the sharks. Everything else is. You're in this huge studio, the size of a football field, but it doesn't. When you're there, it looks like you're in an office, mm-hmm. and you can't see all the the cameras are all hidden or high or and they're, it's all dark where all the people are, so you can't see them. And so that's outside of the view. So it really does seem like it's you and the five sharks. Um, And for my case, 20 other Santas, but that made it, I think also, I think they do a good job of that because it, I think if you were in front of, um, you know, 10,000 people and you saw them all, that would probably make uh, probably make it a more nerve wracking experience. But I think the preparation, particularly for the negotiating, um, you know, they weren't the, the terms of negotiating weren't going to be outside of my ability to, you know, to understand them. And I felt like if I controlled the room, well enough, I would be controlling uh, the negotiating and where we were going with that. That's cool. That's a
0: a fascinating story because, you know, we see, as you said, we see, we see the eight minutes and that's it. Mm -hmm. And uh, people either, you know, make a deal and they go down in flames, but, uh, you know, we don't see the other 40 minutes of stuff that's, that's filmed and all the preparation that goes in ahead of time and all of the audition stuff and then all the work that goes in afterwards. And so it's, it's kind of interesting to hear, you know, all of the decisions that are having to be made. And, you know, I like what you said about preparation because it's it showed, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it, you can tell when people haven't prepared. They just get chewed up. Hey, Mitch, thanks for thanks for talking with us. So, Mitch, before we get off, uh, let us know how we can uh, hire Santa.
2: Yeah, thanks. Uh, you can always go to www.hiresanta.com um, there. But you can also follow us on Instagram at, at Hire And uh, of course, you reach out to uh, us through, through that channel as well.
1: All right. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of Decidedly. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Mitch and learned a thing or two. I know I definitely did. If you did, give us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us out, and it helps people find the show and defeat bad decision-making in their own lives. If you didn't like the show, well, a lump of coal is coming in your stocking this year because uh, we're kind of close with Santa now. Check us out on DecidedlyMoney.com, Facebook, Instagram. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals.